Well, Pastor was planning to speak this morning, and his, the topic that God laid on his heart was walking in God's favor. Walking in God's favor. Well, Pastor asked if I would go ahead and share on that topic today, so we are honoring Pastor, and that's what we're going to talk about. Your desire this morning may be to experience God beyond the theoretical. You want to practically experience God. You want to experience evidence that God is with you and he is for you. Now, I know that there are many in this room, you'd say, I have seen the evidence. I know the evidence that God is with me, that he's walking with me, that he's for me. But maybe for the first time or once again, you want confirmation that you are following God's lead that you are doing what God would want you to do, that you are, as Pastor Bonnie so often says, in the center of his perfect will. You want evidence that you are in the center of his purpose for your life. You want to experience God's provision, his presence, his power as you pursue his purposes. What we are desiring when we say those things is we are desiring God's favor. We're desiring God's favor. God's favor is his presence, provision, power to accomplish his purposes. God's favor is his presence, provision, and power to accomplish his purposes. We're talking this morning about walking, ongoing relationship, walking in God's favor. We're about to see an account from history that's recorded in the Bible that begins with fear and ends with joy. And in the middle, between what starts with fear and ends with joy, it, we see God's favor. God's favor. So we're going to rewind the clock all the way back to begin with, back to King David. Now, King David reigned about 3,000 years ago from where we sit today, about 1,000 years before Christ. In the generations that followed David, the nation of Israel was divided between the north and the south. The south was called Judah, and Jerusalem was in Judah. The fourth king of Judah in this divided kingdom is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. There are a lot of great names in the Bible. This one would be among the most fun to say. Jehoshaphat. Can we just say that on the count of three? One, two, three. Jehoshaphat. Now, whenever I see some of these uh, unusual names in the Bible, I wonder, is anyone naming their children these names out of the Bible? You know, we have lots of Marks, we have lots of Johns and Peters, but is anyone naming their children Jehoshaphat? Well, thankfully, uh, there is an ability to research these things. According to babycenter.com, for the most recent year that we have statistics, in 2018, three out of every one million children were named Jehoshaphat. Wow. Three out of every one million. How about that? While Jehoshaphat is king, he receives a message that an alliance of nations is planning an attack against Judah. Now watch this pattern in the, these first couple of verses. If you want to follow along with us, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to begin in verse 2. And if you have the ability to choose because you're with us uh, by mobile device, we're going to be reading from the ESV version. 2 Chronicles 20, verses 2 and 3. Now watch for this pattern in these two verses. Crisis, fear, seeking God. Crisis, fear, seek God. Here we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. 
Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. Behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Here it is. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Crisis, fear, seeking God. These attacking armies are closing in. From the description, Judah was outnumbered and outmatched. The crisis, a multitude of nations, is coming against us. Jehoshaphat is in fear. His reaction to seek God. <laughs> all right, let's have a moment of honesty. How often do we seek God only after we explore all other options? Drop the defense strategy. Call the troops. Attempt to broker a peace deal. Text all of our friends and see what they would do. Okay, none of that's working. Now let's seek God. None of that's working. Let's pray. Jehoshaphat seeks the Lord first after he is alerted to a threat. Jehoshaphat calls for a fast. This type of fast means re refraining from food for a period of time for the purpose of giving greater attention to God. So the people give up food, giving greater attention to God. Jehoshaphat calls the people together and he stands in front of the assembly. He stands in front of the, the people, the nation, and he publicly pleads with God. Jehoshaphat says to God, you are powerful and mighty and nothing can stand against you. Praise God. Then Jehoshaphat makes a powerful point. Jehoshaphat in front of the assembly, he says, God, you brought our ancestors here. You gave us this land. You supernaturally drove out the people who were against you who had been here before. Jehoshaphat said, says to God, for us to be defeated, it would appear, God, that if that were to be the case, it wouldn't just be our defeat. It would be a defeat of a plan that you have set in motion over the course of hundreds of years and many generations. In other words, a question, God, did you bring us this far only for us to be defeated, only for your plan to come to an end. And because of that, Jehoshaphat says this in verse 9, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the house, this house, and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Jehoshaphat cries out in front of the assembled people saying, we know it's been your plan that we should be here. So we are confident, even though it appears that we are outnumbered and outmatched, we know because we have such a great confidence in, in you, God, that you are going to find a way to see us through this. Some of us, we need this boost today. You know what God's called you to do. And there's some challenge, there's some crisis that's coming against you. You know, if God has brought you to it, he's going to see you through it. God's plan will not fail. Verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. Man, I love this next part. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
it's a terrible point to reach a place, and some of you have experienced this in your life, maybe you're experiencing it right now, it's terrible to reach a point where you fear, feel powerless against some outside forces, like there's nothing you can do. Some of you are in a desperate situation right now. It's your health, it's your money, it's your marriage, it's your children. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. You can be in a desperate place. Your family may be in a desperate, a desperate place. It can be in a church, an organization, a city, or a nation. God, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's a hardship. The, re the resources are depleted. The, the plan is falling apart. What worked before isn't working now. It's a downward spiral. There's been a life change out of our control, out of your control, and you're struggling to cope with the aftermath. You reach a moment and you feel powerless to defeat or overcome what is coming against you. you your plea is Jehoshaphat's plea. We don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. This is a great prayer. It's an easy to remember phrase when you're in that moment. Father, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Father, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. After Jehoshaphat spoke to God in front of the people, the Bible actually tells us that it was entire families that stood there in front of the Lord. Not just the adults, but their little ones, husbands, wives, and children. And in that moment, the spirit falls on a man named Jehaziel. God uses Jehaziel to be the messenger. Verse 15. And Jehaziel said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. Another great line here, for the battle is not yours, but God's. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed about whatever it is. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Some of you are wearing yourself out, you're running yourself down, you are tiring the people who are in your life because you are trying to fight a battle that is not yours. Jehoshaphat receives a direct response to his fear. He's, God says, do not be afraid. Through Jazeel, God gives the message, don't run from the opposition which may be what they were tempted to do. What we're about to see is that God says, don't run towards the, don't run from the opposition. Even though you feel outnumbered and outmatched, God gives the instruction, what I want you to do is I want you to get ready. We're gonna see this in a moment. God says, get ready, and I want you to move in the direction of the opponents. I want you to get so close, God says, that you can see them. Verse 17, you will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, God says, hold your position and see. I want you to get so close, God says, that you can watch this unfold. Hold your position and you will see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. God is going to bring you 
through this and you're not even going to have to fight. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. The battle's not yours, it's God's. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Stand firm and watch how God brings the resolution. Stand firm and watch how God brings the resolution. The Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. Verse 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. In the moment of crisis, Jehoshaphat cried out to God. He called for the people to fast. God speaks to his people as they pursue him. God speaks to his people as they pursue him. After God reveals what they're supposed to do, the people respond with worship. Verse 19 says, they stood up then to praise with a loud voice. Sometimes it's good to praise God with a loud voice. We're all about celebrating the goodness of God. And if we can cheer and shout when we're allowed to be at the football games, if we can cheer and shout when we're at the basketball games or whatever it is, we surely can cheer and shout when we want to lift up the praises to our Heavenly Father. And after all this, they went to bed. <laughs> when they woke up the next morning, Jehoshaphat says, believe in the promise from God. Don't forget all those things that God said yesterday. Sometimes we can leave church and we're all fired up, we're all encouraged, and then we go to sleep on Sunday and we are all dismayed again. When we wake up Monday morning, let's not forget the promises of God that we talked about on Sunday. When they woke up the next morning, says, believe in the promise from God. And we will be established. We will stand strong. We will succeed. Verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, I want you to not miss this. This is not a strategy that I think they're teaching at West Point these days. Jehoshaphat says, we are appointing those who sing praise to the Lord to go out in front of the army. We see that God is asking us to do our part. The people receive this promise from God and they are not just hanging out in their home, eating pancakes, shopping on Amazon, waiting for God to do his thing out there. No, they get up and they get ready, like God told them to do. Those who are to sing to the Lord and praise are sent first before the military. Jehoshaphat sends the singers out in front of the army. He sends the worship team in front of the seal team. I thought that was pretty good. This is not a strategy, like I said, that they're teaching these days in military school. Verses 22 and 23. Here, it's all building up to this moment. And when they began to sing and praise, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the man, the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. 
For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. <laughs> the people who had been united in a, a mission to destroy God's people were ambushed and they turn on themselves and they destroy each other. The enemy was defeated as the people praised. The enemy was defeated as the people praised. I want you to know this morning, if you come up against God's plan, you will not succeed. If you come up against God's plan, you will not succeed. So after this is done, Remember, God said, I want you to get so close that you can see this. I want you to witness how I'm going to see you through this. After this is done, after they all destroy each other, Jehoshaphat and the people, they go to check out the aftermath. And as you might imagine, it is a gruesome scene, all the death. All these soldiers of these opposing forces are dead. God's word tells us that no one escaped. But what they did leave behind goods clothing and precious things the bible says they left behind these people who had died these soldiers they left behind goods clothing and precious things there is so much stuff god's word tells us that the people of judah could not carry it all and they spent three days gathering Verses 27 and 28. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head. Jehoshaphat is leading the way, returning to Jerusalem with joy. Remember I said that we'd start with fear, we'd get to joy, and in the middle, middle we'd see the favor of God. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head, leading the way, returning to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. They worship before, they worship in the middle, and they worship at the end. What started with fear ends with joy. God provided for the people through what they thought was going to destroy them. God protected, provided for, and prospered the people as they praised him. These people experienced evidence that God is with them. These people received confirmation that they were following his lead. These people experienced God's provision, his presence, and power as they pursued his purposes. They experienced God's favor. As they told the story, I'm sure to their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, there's no way that they could take credit themselves. All the credit was due God. Judah's victory was made possible by God's favor. Judah's victory was made possible by God's favor. Now you might say today, that's not what I'm experiencing. That's a, that's a good story from history. But you might say, when I look at what I'm facing right now, that's not what I'm experiencing. You might say, I'm pursuing God, but he feels absent. You might question, am I not in alignment with God because I'm not seeing his provision and presence and power? We do know this, God is not going to put his favor on what's against him. 
God is not going to give you his favor to commit a crime. God is not going to give you favor to cheat. God is not going to give us favor to deceive someone. God is not going to give his favor to a plan that actively or passively opposes his purposes. We see this. We also see this. Jehoshaphat prayed and fasted before God spoke. The people of Judah moved toward the enemy actively praising. They praised God based on faith that the victory would happen before the victory happened. What, we, what happened in Judah under Jehoshaphat's leadership is an example of God's favor. It's not a formula. A pattern that is worth following is that the people pursued God at every moment in the journey. When there was fear, they prayed and they fasted. And then they heard from God through, a, through the Holy Spirit that was put on a messenger. When they came face to face with the enemy, they moved towards the enemy in worship, not in fear. After God gave an abundance through the provision that was left behind by the defeated armies, they once again praised. The time with God, walking with God, it's not a one and done action. It is ongoing. It's continual. It's walking in God's favor. Now, this is not about favors from God, like party favors from heaven, like cash, cars, and clothes for our pleasure. We're not talking about favors from God, like party favors. This is the favor of God, which is his presence, his provision, and power to accomplish his purposes. As we close today, some might say, this sounds impossible. It sounds impossible. An invading alliance of armies on the warpath to conquer a less powerful nation, then the alliance suddenly, instantly breaks down right before they're going to attack, and the members of that alliance go from being united to divided, and they start fighting against each other. You might say, that sounds impossible. What here, here is what I know about those of you who have walked in God's favor. You have experienced events in your life that you would say, to describe it, it sounds impossible. The door that everyone said was closed, opened. The time that you were up against a thousand other applicants who were surely more qualified and yet you were selected. The moment you were so discouraged and felt like giving up that an unlikely person called, texted, or showed up at your door with just the right words of encouragement. The missionary family who lined their suitcases with Bibles and they arrived in a country where it's illegal to be a missionary and it's illegal to possess a Bible. And they showed up with suitcases lined with Bibles, stopped at the airport. A border and customs agent said, would you please come over here? They're in North Africa. They put the suitcase on the table. They unzip the suitcase. They see all the Bibles. Fear. Missionary says to his wife, start praying, start praying. The customs and border agent zips the, back, the suitcase back up and says, go on your way. How about the couple who sacrifice and save money for a vacation? And then instead of going on that vacation, they invested that money sacrificially in missions only to have that exact amount be replenished by someone who said, I don't know why, 
<laughs> I don't know, someone that you don't even know comes up to you and says, I, I don't know why this happened. But this morning I woke up and I was praying and God said, I want you to write out a check and I want you to give it to this person and here's the amount that, that, that I want you to give. And that person receives the check, opens it up, and it's the exact amount that they had sacrificially given to missions. Those stories happen. They've happened in this church. How about the person who loses their job due to downsizing or reorganizing only to have a better job offered just a short time later? How about the prison sentence that is reduced by days, weeks, months, or even years, allowing the spiritually transformed ex-convict to become a messenger for Christ? How about the medical report that says there's only a few months left to live, and then the person, their life is extended by 5, 10, 20, or more years? These are real stories. How about the scan one day that shows a body full of cancer, and then a few days later, another scan is done. They put them side by side, and you can see in one scan, there's the disease, and in the next scan a few days later, there is a clean bill of health. How about this? There is a battle that was anticipated, but you never had to fight the battle. The favor of God, his presence, his provision, and power to accomplish his, accomplish his purposes. Impossible? Impossible? God's favor does not spare us from challenges. Rather, God reveals himself through the challenges. As we pray this morning for our pastor, our senior pastor couple, Pastor Scott and Bonnie Erickson, uh, Pastor Bonnie broke her own rule, and she texted this morning. And uh, a nurse had come in and said, you know that your husband is just right around the corner. You're very, your rooms are very close together. And uh, he said, that's very, very unusual. Even for you to be on the same floor, but for you guys to arrive and for you to be that close to each other. And of course they knew in that moment that it was the favor of God. God indicating through something perhaps seemingly small, but showing himself, I'm with you, and I'm for you, and I'm with you in this. Impossible? Impossible? Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Do you remember what the angel said when she told Mary that she would be the mother of the Son of God? Greetings, you who are highly favored. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And when Mary asked, how can this be? In part, the angel says in response, for nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today with hearts full of gratitude for your favor. Father, we're thankful that we have events recorded in history of real people that went through real trials. And Father, we know that the Bible is filled with many examples of those who did not do it your way. They chose their other way and the consequences followed. We're thankful that in this moment in time, we see in Jehoshaphat 
a man who, as soon as he realized there was a crisis, in response to the fear felt in that moment, he responded to God in prayer. And he called the people together to fast, to pursue God. We're thankful for this example, Father, of a people that worshiped before, during, and after. Father, you know what is represented in this room today. Father, you know what is going on in our church. You know the situation in the church. We're thankful, Father, that when we're surprised, when we're caught off guard, you are not. Father, we thank you for how you have revealed yourself to us with your favor. Evidence, Father, that you are with us and that you are for us. Evidence, Father, that our faith is not just theoretical, but it's practical. Father, we know the testimonies that are represented in this room. Father, we know how you have proved, proven yourself to be with your people. Father, thank you for how you have showed yourself in big ways and little ways. Evidence that when we tell the story to others, they would say, that's impossible. That can't be. And you might, and we would say in return, yes, by my own strength, by my own power, by my own wisdom and creativity, it surely would be impossible. But with my loving Heavenly Father, nothing is impossible. Thank you for not, as we talk about favor, Father, we say thank you for not choosing favorites, that you desire to pour your favor upon all who would love you, and that there isn't a limited quantity. Father, you have an unlimited quantity of favor for all who will pursue it and all who will pursue you and your purposes. We thank you for this.